What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast where our motto is we just hope it doesn't suck. This is episode 310, broken up into two parts, A and B. B. Thank you. 310A, posting on 1227, will be a discussion on Avatar, The Way of Water. And 310B, posting on 1230, will be a discussion on Emancipation from Apple TV+. Plus. I am one of your hosts, Grayson, Jake, Sully, Maxwell. Joining me just every week is my co-host, Roger Still, <laughs> I get so much enjoy out of that. And our permanent guest, Chris Awa Bond. Right. I know how much you love Awa, Chris. I thought I you were going to make me Spider, but that's fine. He no, no, should no, no, definitely no. have been Spider. That's what I was going to The blank cloth fits. No, no, no. Uh, for those listening, we had to switch it up to the audio for just this week, but we will, our other episode will be back to the way it was. But gentlemen, we had a major back holiday a few days ago. to the ago. way of the water. Yes. We had Ooh. a major holiday two days ago, three days ago, whatever, yesterday. <laughs> How was your Christmas, gentlemen? It was very Christmassy. Yeah. Good way to describe it. A plus yep. on the words. I had a fantastic Christmas. Uh, family was good. Uh, we hosted, so there's a lot of work involved in that. Had a lot of the family over, and it was it was great. We had a good time. I insist we only host in my house now. That's all I want. I don't you want wait, people. You want to host? Yep. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to be expected to put on pants, things like that. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I went through Christmas dinner wearing a long sleeve t shirt and basketball shorts and no shoes the entire time. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. All right. Well, that's good. I'm glad you got to wear what you wanted yep. to wear. You know, actually, so I went to watch Way of Water on Christmas, um, and I noticed nothing was open in Pennsylvania. So that's great because usually most years things are open at like noon or one or two. And I was really happy to see that that wasn't the case, that people actually got time off to spend with their families if they wanted it. Because I know that movie theater retail workers, they have no choice. They have to work. But it wasn't very busy, and I noticed – uh, it was not busy at all, actually. We were one of like six people in the entire theater until three o'clock, so I'm glad for that. But that wasn't the case in years past, Roger. Yeah, it's not like the way it used to be. It used to be like just packed the entire Christmas run. Um, what movie theater did you go to? Was it one that had uh, like limited showings or were they just full go all day? No, it was full go all day. It was a South Hills Village in uh, wow. Pittsburgh. Yeah, That's ass, bro. Yeah, it wasn't great. And also the... And also the the auditorium was I didn't think they had any heat on at all. They couldn't have had any heat on. I could see my breath in the auditorium. You, you know what that is? Punishment. I mean, sure, fine, whatever. But yeah, I enjoyed it again yesterday um, after I did all the Christmassy stuff. But I really enjoyed the movie several times this week. We're going to talk about that one a little later. What else? So, you guys, what did you did? You guys get what you wanted for Xmas? I mean, as a forty year old man, I get whatever I want most of the time. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Chris, yeah, what about I you? Mean, in the cliche kind of way, I just wanted my kids to have a good Christmas. I was super yep. excited for this Christmas, like extremely excited, like more so than usual. And it was it was a success. The kids got some stuff. I, we spent way too much money this year. But it, awesome. It, 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 it That's felt awesome. Good. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. Well, as long as they're happy. I mean, spending a little more money is not terrible. As long, I mean, as long as your kids are super happy, then... Yeah, um, they are. They are. They had a great Christmas. Me and the wife had a great Christmas, so it was good. Good, good. Always good to have good family time. Uh, what else do you guys get into this weekend? I know that your week, Chris, must have been hustle and bustle busy because you have you had a crazy schedule. Roger, you too, I'm sure. Did you guys do anything else this week, or was it just all Christmas stuff with the fam fam? 
almost all Christmas stuff for me and work. Like I, you know, I didn't get any real extra time off of work. Nice. So yeah, you know, so is life. Such is life, as he says. What about you, Chris? Anything else, or just just crazy family stuff? Nothing extra. Like so, you know, we had a big uh, Christmas Eve thing we did with uh, my wife's family, and then we hosted on Christmas Day. Everyone came over all day on Christmas. We had to prep the house because because of, of hosting. So it was a lot, and so much cookies were made. Cookies. So, so many cookies were made. That's what I like to hear. Were they consumed by your kids? I hope. Everyone. Were they bouncing off the walls with sugar? Um, <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, they were consumed mainly by me. Perfect, absolutely perfect. How many cookies would you say you ate yesterday? I mean, between yesterday and today, I'm at least in like the 30s range. Oh wow, point. it's a lot. Yeah, wow. Damn, I'm thinking about. I'm really thinking about being a bit judgmental here. <laughs> Damn, it'd be warranted. You're, I promise. Yes, you're you're your old ass getting all that sugar. Jeez, Louise. That's one thing I try to cut out. As I sit here drinking a Red Bull, I brought you a Red Bull, Chris. Celebratory. We'll have to enjoy it tomorrow. But, um, yeah, I, I'm drinking Red Bull. As I say, I don't like sugar. I'm drinking an energy drink, which is terrible for you. But uh, yeah, I, I hate those two. Actually, yes. so on the label it says 38 grams, which is 75 percent of my daily intake. Holy crap! I had no Perfect idea. in Perfect. every way. <laughs> In every way. All right, gentlemen. Well, we should get on with the show, I think. This is episode 310 of For the Love of Cinema, a podcast about movies, film, and cinema. It was posted each and every Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. on Podbean, which then distributes to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Each and every week, we start with the box office current and upcoming releases, what streaming trailers and movies of the week. Without further ado, let us hop into the box office. Number one, and not a surprise to anyone, Babylon. I'm kidding. Avatar The Way of Water bringing in a pathetic $56 million domestic just for this past week. But the worldwide, $881 million. That's just shy of a billion. I'm very happy. However, the domestic's only 30% of this movie's intake. <laughs> International is 68.3. So that's not bad. What do you guys think about that number? Meh. Yeah, Chris, what about you? I mean, it's far off the two billion it wanted to make, right? Well, it's only been in, it's only been there for nine days, man. Dang. No, I mean, you think it'd have a billion already? You think? <laughs> wow. Jeez. I I did some research, and apparently, Avatar, the uh, the first one back in two thousand nine, it slowly made its its billions of dollars. So it's oh yeah, not it only opened it, the first weekend for that was only seventy million. Like yeah. it wasn't yep. it wasn't great. But like all Cameron stuff, it has a very slow burn that just catches. I mean, Titanic famously did not do well the first two or three weeks. Was in, they were almost going to yank it. And James convinced he convinced them the, to keep it in full tilt in all theaters. And then all of a sudden it just took off. I don't know how he could have known that, but that's a pretty cool thing. But as you remember, that movie went for like almost a full year in some theaters. Never heard of it. A small movie, yeah. Small, small movie. $200 million budget in the late 90s. That's, that's amazing. We're going to talk about that one a little later. Avatar, not Titanic. Avatar. Number two, Puss in Boots, The Last Witch, $11.4 million, bringing us worldwide to 57.1. That's not terrible, I guess. Number three, Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody, $5.3 million, bringing in a worldwide of 10.1. That's way under what I thought it was going to do. Babylon, $3.5 million. <laughs> bringing in a worldwide of $5.3 million. <laughs> Oh, that one. You know, I don't know. I don't know what this says about me. 
but I'm 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 okay with that movie not doing great. It just looks it looks terribly uninteresting, and it's just like a Hollywood jerk fest, right? Like that's well, all why does Hollywood insist on making movies that fillet uh, themselves? I about, don't get it about early Hollywood, but it, I don't get it. No one's seen it as. You can see by the box office, but it's well, gonna get it's gonna get but, nominated for like sixteen Oscars. Yeah, but so here's the thing: like you know, we've talked about that at length too. Just because you know Hollywood loves to toot its own horn, like most people don't give a shit, like at all. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's obvious. At three point five million worldwide. Yeah, that of course people don't care about that anymore. I guess. But we will not talk about that one. Or Whitney Houston, I want to dance with someone again. We have to go with the box office. So box office says Puss in Boots, so Puss in Boots it is for next week. But number five, Black Panther still holding on, Wakanda Forever still holding on strong, $801 million worldwide. However, bringing in a domestic additional three, but notice that it's been out since early November and already been blown away by Avatar in nine days. I just, you know. Bye. I don't want to, I mean, I wanted to toot my own horn. I wanted Avatar to be at like 1.4 by now, but that just wasn't reasonable. So there's your box office. Again, it's nothing not crazy. Even at point nine. It's not. Thank you for that. I appreciate that, Roger. That's good. I shove want you that, to know. Shove that knife in the ribs and twist it. I, I appreciate that. You know, Avengers Endgame made $3 billion, right? <laughs> Shut up. No, it didn't. Oh, my goodness. It made 2.9. <laughs> yes, sir, it did. Not according to Box Office Mojo. You want to check those numbers again? Yeah, I do, actually. Let's 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 look at that. Hold on. I just I just closed it. Hold on, box as much. Okay, let, let's look at Avengers Endgame. Boom. All I'm right. Sorry, it's two point seven nine seven. Well, that's what I thought. Okay, but that's my, my okay mistake. two two point eight. But look at look at um Avatar. Avatar from two thousand nine. That's at two point nine. Okay, so it's just a point. I mean, it's mm. it's just a hundred million difference. So that's still a decent amount of chunk chunk of change, though. Mm. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. Let's talk about current and upcoming releases. Nothing crazy in the way of this. We went over this the past couple of weeks. has been pretty slow, but what are you guys even most, most looking forward to? Across the Spider-Verse. It's a little far out, though, right? Quantumania. Um, yeah, Quantumanium is my next big one, man. Like, I've said it a few times. I don't care that that's a Marvel movie. It just looks like a cool sci-fi movie. You're right. I mean, I don't know if that really you can consider. I mean, you can't consider it a sci-fi, but I don't know if you can. So back to the question we asked talked about earlier is, can we talk about that and not Avatar in the same uh, sci-fi conversation? Um. Again, it, 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 I think it depends on the content of what you're looking at. Like, I'm not saying that Avatar isn't a sci-fi film, but I I will argue that it's not like it's not a deeply rooted sci-fi experience. That's not what that movie is. It's not. Wow. I, I just I don't think it is. It, it doesn't take you to like any place besides Pandora, and Pandora is just I in my in my estimation like a a utopian, um, not utopian, but like a perf- perfected Earth in the essence of it's 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 pure before we arrive to it. Before that's, we ruin things because we're ruiners. That's probably not a bad. I mean, you're not you're not wrong. What what Pandora is, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Humans ruin ruiners of worlds. Yes, <laughs> we definitely are. All right, this past week brought us Puss in Boots: The Last Witch, Babylon, Empire of Light, which you noticed was not on the chart, Glass Onion, and Knives Out Mystery, which with 
to Netflix and Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody. And then nothing. We have no more major releases theatrically until the end of the year. Oi, oi, boy. Let's let's look at the first of the new year, though. Megan starts January 6th. January 13th is A House Party, A Man Called Auto, and Plane. January 20th is Alice Darling Gets Wider, Missing, The Sun Expands, and Women Talking. And then if the, the Sun end, Expands will die. The S-O-N, not oh. S-U-N. January 27th, Distant. Fear and Shotgun Wedding. God, we have a really awful first month of the year. Holy crap. Megan, Megan is Roger's favorite, though. <laughs> yes. yes. I am not excited, but I am excited. Let's talk about February 3rd. 80s for Brady, Knock at the Cabin. February 10 is Magic Mike's Last Dance and Titanic Remastered. Goes back into theaters. February 14th. Every, everybody's clamoring for more Titanic. Well, it got re-released, Roger. If I remember, we were at Marquee when it got re-released, wasn't it? And it's it didn't do anything. like four times. It's not. It's never, That's when they, they brought it into the 3D. Okay. Well, it's never really done anything after the re-release, so I don't know why they keep no. doing it. What about Love on the 14th? That is the t- Tuesday, Valentine's Day. The 15th, which is a Wednesday, is Marlowe. And the 17th, the Friday, Ant-Man, the Wasp. What about Love and Marlowe? Enjoy your two days in the box office because as soon as Ant Man comes out, you're gone. And if February 24th, Cocaine Bear, Jesus Revolution, and Mummies. That's a weird, that's definitely a weird week. I feel like Cocaine Bear, Jesus Revolution should be one film. That's a sequel to Cocaine Bear. There you go. There you go. Already <laughs> planned. <laughs> Already planned. All right. March 3rd starts off strong with Creed. And then the second week of March will end here inside and Scream 6, which I'm not looking forward to. And I'm very upset. Scrim. All right. I just, I don't, I think that needs, I think Scream needs to go away for a long, long time and then maybe come back. But it just, it needs to go away for a while. What do, what do you it guys doesn't think? ever need to come back. No, it, it really doesn't. I don't know why they keep doing that. Well, Scram. as a kid, they, they put a low money into it for the budget and they make a huge return. So that's, that's, that's why. Let's take a look at what streaming this week we're taking a look at Netflix. I chose a Christmas movie, though it is raunchy and mischievous. A Bad Mom's Christmas. Nice. By yep. director John Lucas and Scott Moore. Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell, Catherine Hahn, Susan Sarandon, Christian Baranaski, Jay Hernandez, Cheryl Hines, Peter Gallagher, Justin Hartley, 2017. I thought that was a very capable sequel. I thought it was funny. It was holiday themed. It was it was a good, it was a well-placed uh, rated R movie for people who wanted it. I remember laughing many, many times, and many people are enjoying it. It is on the Netflix uh, top ten watched uh, recently, so it is is doing quite well for itself there as well. So I thought that movie was very funny. If you're into raunchy comedies, rated R and holiday themed, then this is right up your alley. So definitely check that one out, Roger. Not a Christmas movie, but a movie with Tom Cruise is Oblivion. By director Joseph Kosinski, Tom Cruise, Morgan Freeman, Andrea Riseborough, Olga Kurlenko, Nikolaj Kolja, Koster Waldau, sorry, and Melissa Leo, 2013. Mr. Jamie one. Lannister? Yes, Mr. Jamie Lannister. That's who he is. Dude, Oblivion owns. Like, it looks awesome. It is a uh, movie about the future of Earth in like 2000, or excuse me, 2077. So, uh, our boy Tom Cruise plays Jack. So, yeah. It's cool. It's very sci-fi. Super awesome. Very desolate. Perfect. Okay, Fiend. Fiend. 
Fiend. And Chris, you went with the classic, I think. Spider-Man 2 by director Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, Alfred Molina, James Franco, J.K. Simmons, Rosemary Harris, Cliff Robertson as the wonderful Uncle Ben, and Willem Dafoe doing Willem Dafoe things. 2004, tell us about that one. I mean, Tobey Maguire and the gang come back for some more zany uh, Spider-Man mysteries. But no, like on a serious note, like this movie's fantastic. I believe this has the most heart out of all, like all three of the Spider-Man films, and it has such a good villain and someone that we kind of feel for. And there's a reason why they brought him back in No Way Home, uh, specifically as the first one, because he's very iconic to the Superman original trilogy. That Spider-Man. I, I agree with everything you just said. It's I mean, for a long time, that one was considered the best entry in the superhero genre. And I mean, I wouldn't I don't think it's fallen too far. If you're going to do a top five, it's definitely I don't know. Is it in top, still in the top five? You guys think? I mean, so like it, it, it's thought of so far. <laughs> sad on my daughter, kids are excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. um, so, so like it, it's 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 not an MCU, Hell yeah, brother. right? So it's just one of those things where it's not like really thought of in that sense. But every time I think about it, like I, it's watchable. You, you turn it on, you can watch the whole film. It's not it's not bad in any way. It's it, I think it's an easy watch for most people that are fans of superhero films. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. It's, yeah, it works pretty well. It has one of those extremely powerful and iconic shots of him on the train, of him slinging his webs to stop the train from everyone dying. I think I mean, when I think of Spider-Man 2, that's what I think about is that iconic scene. I don't think anyone's going to argue me on that one. I mean, that, the most I mean, iconic thing about it is Toby making poop face. When does he make? Oh, when he's trying to stop the train, he's making yeah. poop face. I wonder if that was the direction, Rami. Just act like you're taking a huge dump, Toby. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I need you to do right now. <laughs> Maybe he was having trouble with it, and that's, that was a, a, <laughs> the advice that he was given. I mean, it's always a possibility. Always a possibility. Well, there you have it. If you have Netflix, you can check out A Bad Mom's Christmas, Oblivion, Spider-Man 2, all there for your viewing pleasure. If you subscribe to Netflix, let's talk about some trailers. Gentlemen, Adam Driver is up to his hijinks in 65. What are we thinking? Um, um, generic indifference. I, w- I, I was on board for this film until... until- you know, Jurassic Park shows up. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I guess it's a different take on it. So, like, if someone said, "I need a, I need a dinosaur movie that's different," go and like, this is what they came up with. I get it, but I, I'm terribly uninterested after seeing the, the dinosaurs. I don't know why. I, I wish, I wish they would have committed to full on Jurassic Park when he's looking down the tunnel. I wish they just went straight up Tyrannosaurus roar, like the old school one that everybody knows. Like just yeah, lean all the way into it. The the, the the iconic, you know, that, that first roar that we got back yep. with the, in the first movie. Absolutely. Um, I'm Adam Driver is they... better than this, by the way. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think so, but the world, the, the acting world, seems to think he's one of the best. I don't think he's one of the best, but he, I think this material is definitely beneath him. I don't know why he, he did this. He doesn't think very highly of you either. Just so you know. How do you know this, Roger? <laughs> I mean, I'm he's indifferent. He's indifferent. Mm, this okay, might be enough. a good movie, though. Like, this might be fun. Like, mm. it, it, we, we we might be dogging on this movie way too early. Probably not. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, listen, it's coming out after Cocaine Bear, so it's gonna have big shoes to fill. <laughs> I mean, sure. everything after Cocaine Bear has big shoes to fill. But what's so? Here's the thing about that is 
I'm glad they showed us that it's 65 million years before 2020. So I'm glad they did that and they didn't save that for a massive reveal in the end because that that wasn't going to work well in that film's in that film's favor. <laughs> no. So I'm I'm kind of glad that we got that only because like they've tried that so many times in the past and it's never worked. So they've already gotten a big hurdle out of the way, but now that you know that, it seems almost less interesting. So it's it's a catch twenty two. You know, do you want to know and then not be surprised, or do you want a better movie and be surprised, and or do you want a better movie and not be surprised, or do you want to be surprised and probably have a worse movie because of it? So who knows? I mean, we'll see how that goes. But Adam Driver, this is a strange choice for him. I don't. Is just is he is he just going down a list and like yes, I need to do one of these. Maybe maybe he wanted to. Maybe he's getting credits for it. That's possible. I just, I, I just don't see someone like him. He's had a pretty amazing career up to this point, as far as like quality of movie he's chosen. So this just seems weird. But perhaps it is. Maybe he's, maybe it's just it's a contract deal, or he knows the director, or he just wanted to be part of it. But let's talk about Oppenheimer from used to be my favorite director, Christopher Nolan. What are we thinking? I'll open up the boards first before I go into it. I don't think this is going to play well in every market. <laughs> Which market and specifically would you think? Probably like northern, like northern Nevada, Idaho area, uh, or Japan, or Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. The first time you said it, I laughed pretty hard. I mean, it's true though. It's it's. What are you, know, you talking about? All my jokes are original, and never <laughs> thought out beforehand. <laughs> Thank you, sir. This looks interesting. I'll, I'll participate or ask you to please not show what's behind the actual curtain. <laughs> Thank you. I I don't know what to expect from Christopher Nolan. Honest to God, I have no idea what to expect from Nolan anymore. I just I've almost completely forgotten about him as a director. I I don't think I would even go as far to say is he's super relevant, but I have lost. Wow, dude makes one movie that not everybody likes, and you just fucking cut him off like that. No, 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 no. no. I'm not saying that. Ice I'm saying cold man. What was the movie no one liked? Tenet. Oh yeah, Tenet. Well, I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, Tenet. Well, that that is easily the worst of his. And I don't want to hear any, I, I can't, whenever you bring Tenet up in a conversation, there's always that one guy that's like, actually what he did with the sound design was brilliant. No, someone no, punched that guy. No, it wasn't. Punch that guy in the face, please. Someone just a quick jab in the nose. Tenet was, it was a disaster and a mess and it didn't work. But was it, was it Nolan-y? Sure. Uh, was it kind of a risk? Yes, and didn't pay off. Like Chris, you always say, if you take a risk, you have to be okay with the fallout from that risk. Yep. So, yep. But I, I by that. Nolan's early career, I loved his early career. I, I could not think any higher of him as a director. But the more, the further out we get from that early stuff, I think, honest to God, I think the worst it gets, or the worst, not the worst, the worse it gets. And this is coming from a huge Nolan guy. And I've, I've even ta- I've worked on Dark Knight Rises. I talked to the man. I talked to his wife. I've had conversations with him. Uh, I guess I'm just disappointed in a lot of his stuff recently. I just expect different stuff. The last movie I really liked was Interstellar. How many movies between Interstellar and Tenet was there? Was that just one? Um, hang on, I'll look. I don't remember what it was between them, but I think something was between them. But I really enjoyed Interstellar. I understand it's not the greatest movie, but... I really enjoyed it. I like Interstellar a lot. As do I. Uh, Dunkirk was in the middle of it. Oh, Dunkirk. That was up for like Oscars. But I, I still, when I re when I revisit that, I still don't think it's, I still don't think Dunkirk was what we deserve from Nolan. I'll leave it at that. But uh, as for right now, I'm cautiously optimistic for Oppenheimer. 
if that's saying anything. See, I am optimistically cautious about Oppenheimer. Is that a joke? Are you serious? He was agreeing with you. Oh, okay. In, in a weird way. Sure, sure. I like him. I mean, I like the choice, uh, Cillian Murphy. That's kind of Nolan's boy now. I, I like that. I like choice. I like, I like the subject matter. This is going to be a hard one to get right, though, because there's a lot of revisionist history behind. <laughs> there's always a lot of debate, especially today with where we are in society with should we or shouldn't we have used the bombs. But if nothing else, it did bring a swift end to the war. So that's always that's always a good thing, I guess. But it'll we be also awakened the kaiju. It did awaken the kaiju. Factually, that is correct. That is correct. We'll see how he handles the kaiju awakening, though, when it comes yeah. out. I bet you they don't even just gloss right over that part of history. <laughs> but I mean, I wow, that caught me off guard. Uh, <laughs> we'll see because I, it's coming out in it's coming out in um excuse me a July. So that's a, it's going to be that's a long way out, a tough month, and movie theaters are struggling as it is. So without Marvel, I think movie theaters would be in a way worse position than they are right now. So we'll see what about Avatar. Well, again, right. without without the big ones. I don't think so. Here's the thing. I think without Marvel, I don't think you get to Avatar two. Nope. Sure what do you better. mean? We would have had what? He been. This has been. In, this has been planned since 2007. Fred James. So this has Cameron. been planned wow. for 17 plus years. But what I'm saying is, is that I believe that if you didn't have Marvel films, keep you know, helping in a big way to keep movie theaters afloat during all of this, all the struggling times we've been through. I don't think you get to a point where Avatar 2 comes out in theaters the way that it does. I don't No, think, you're probably right about that. I don't that's, think movie theaters last play as, you know, quite as long as they have. I don't think they make, they make it through in the same way. I don't think they're going away anytime soon, but I think if they don't make some right choices, that. their time is limited. So I agree with that, but I'm saying without without the help of, you know, the MCU and the superhero franchise that, you know, has become what it is, I don't think theaters last and look the way they do right now. I mean, you're probably not wrong about that, but that's a whole different episode that I do have planned for the future. I think it'd be an interesting one, but we'll we'll get into that. And it, definitely, Chris Nolan definitely does it does do great things for theater attendance. So that's one thing I do love about him. But that again is for another episode. All right, gentlemen, what are we thinking of The Last of Us, the newest trailer for the show that starts in January? It's going to be a big deal for gaming. It's really going to either make or break for a lot of video game adaptions. What, what, what do we think of this last tra- trailer? I don't know how I've missed this, but I didn't realize Craig Mazin was a part of this. I don't know how I missed this. I don't know how you guys didn't bring this to my attention. I'm sorely disappointed in both of you actually on that point. I am way more excited for this than I was. Now you know how I feel every time we get behind a microphone. (laughs) Fair. Was that that a dig towards me? No, it's towards towards both Um, of you. Well, both of you, technically. Thanks, thanks, thanks. thanks. Anyway, go on, go on, Chris. Craig Mazin is the guy that made made Chernobyl, and that is is my favorite my favorite piece of like cinema that exists i love that so much and then i didn't realize that he was a part of this so i'm way more excited this is getting the triple a treatment so that's always good and this is i mean this is going to be what you know this is going to be one of the heaviest heaviest the heaviest and best produced best as in like the most money thrown at it produced show for video game adaption we've ever ever gotten and if remember in recent history Halo, a, another show that they put decent money behind. Yeah, that's already that's already dead, already gone. But we'll definitely see when that comes out. But I, I don't expect anything less than stellar. I from, think it looks like a fun family movie. 
or TV show that gather your kids around every week and we'll sit around and watch last of us together and oh, yeah. laugh yeah. and enjoy ourselves. Me and my kids are going to watch it. Yeah. So, yeah. It's good. Excellent. I'm very excited for that. Uh, but everything you just said, Roger, thank you. To, I, I know you're joking, but thank you for that. Um, I, I don't know if, I just hope it's good. I just hope it doesn't suck. I hope it follows the lore. And that's what I'm worried about. It follows the already established lore, which has made it such a hit in the first place. So we'll see. I mean, it's weeks away now. So I'm very excited for that. Sure. All right, gentlemen, we have come to the movie of the week. Small little indie film you may have heard of. Avatar. The Puss in Boots. Pig. Avatar. The Way of Water. First time director on this, right? Yeah, yes. First time, young guy, first time director. Yep. This is definitely his first thing he's ever done. That's Let's... not accurate. <laughs> Let's get into Avatar The Way of Water. But first, let's look at the, see the, the Rotten Tomatoes has me a little excited at, see, I thought it was going to be the other way around, but 78% on the tomato meter and 93% audience score. I was hoping that was going to be the other way around, but woe is me. It cannot be that way. It's got a 67 on Metacritic. That's not as good as Rotten Tomatoes. Let's just forget the Metacritic. <laughs> Why? I thought our goal was to forget Rotten Tomatoes. It, it, it is. It, it is. It is. But you never, ever mention the Metacritic. Nope. Nope. Um, all right. So let's get into it. Big deal that is this movie. There's some particulars. Sam Worthington reprising his role as Jake Sully. Zoe Zaldana, Sigourney Weaver, Stephen Lang, Kate Winslet, Cliff Curtis, Joel David Moore, CCH Pounder, Edie Falco, Brendan Cowell, Jamie Clement, Jamie Flatters, Giovanni Ribisi, directed by James Cameron, written by James Cameron. Although there's story by credits, there's five people that have story by credits. Let's talk about it. Roger, what's the sequel? What is this very capable sequel about? Um, it's about Pandora and their family. And... It's basically a Fast and Furious movie. I don't believe any of that. Why? Just because it has family? Yeah. And they ride cool stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a stretch, man. Jeez Louise. I wonder, boy, the more more broad stretches you are, the the weirder, but kind of it makes sense in in, in a way. Family and they ride thing. I like was, a spider I, jumped out of the water and was like, Toretto! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was out. Cops came into my house. <laughs> Disrespect your... me in front of my family. I was out on his whole stick about, you know, it being it being like Fast and Furious until he mentioned the whole they ride cool stuff, you know? Because <laughs> that is actually extremely <laughs> Okay, Roger, so what's this thing actually about? Can we rein it in for one second? Okay, so what this movie is really about is, so humans are coming back to Pandora, or have come back to Pandora, been there for more than a calendar year by the time we really pick up the story. Um, They've really blasted off some wildlife and made like an actual real city-type foothold uh, on Pandora. And so then some of our space marines come back as actual avatars. Turns out they were all killed, as we know from the original avatar. Um, but a lot of our old friends return, like our boy Quarsh, uh, which is the worst name ever. Um, and they come back to basically kill Jake Sully and his whole family. 
and they bail out of the the forest tribe and end up with the water tribe and the story kicks off from there all right avatar 2 the way of water kind of accurate what you just said but it's i so with the beginning of this movie, I have some of my first major red flags, and I'm surprised that we get them from James Cameron because usually you don't get these kind of big story holes from him. And I'll be the first to admit there are some major story holes. Um, starting off with, we kind of get reintroduced to the world of Pandora in the same way we we were introduced to it in the first place is almost a dream sequence. Uh, he's always been huge into that, even the the Terminator films, even aliens, but I, I don't give credit for aliens because it was the alien was started with a dream sequence. And he just follows suit by starting aliens with a dream of them waking up from a dream about to go into a nightmare kind of deal. Um, Titanic. Um, they refer to the ship as a ship of dreams. And we, it's kind of like the way it's shot in the beginning is kind of like you're, it was a very well polished. You're almost walking into a dream for the movie. Um, even in True Lies, there are several dream references. He's a big guy when it comes to dreams, and this is no exception. You wake up soaring over the forest of Pandora, and again, narrated by Jake Sully, the Marine. Now, here's what I don't really understand, and maybe you guys can help me with this one, is so he, at the end of the first Avatar film, was his, he called his birthday, when he fully became... He fully became his avatar. He left his human body and fully became Navi. A Navi. Jake Sully, yep. as they call him. So here's the thing. Question. As he's narrating again, he's an ex-Marine. Mm-hmm. He, he knows something about tactics, something about battle. He's not done anything to, pre- to prepare for what he knows is coming. This is the first red flag is he didn't prepare for their the coming back of the humans and any kind and he calls them sky people just call them humans that's what they are you're an ex-marine you're not really a navi you're an ex-marine this to me that was a little off How do i don't you know I, I would argue that he's definitely done some preparation for them for return to pandora they've moved up in the hallelujah mountains they have an entire elaborate cave system in between there you know places where they can only go for about 10 minutes before their electronics go haywire you know, they have everything there protecting them. And, you know, the movie basically starts with them doing a raid on a um, a rail line and stealing weapons. Like, they're they're militarized, man. He's got them running. You don't think well, so? No, they, they, I was talking more of, like, the beachhead defending from, uh, but like, I, mean, I think that's, a, that's an unwinnable battle, though. Like, they come in legitimately just burning and blowing everything out of the way. In that case, you just sort of fall back and watch it happen, and go from you know change your change your plan from there. No, I I, I totally get that. That's I mean, what, listen. The one thing that they're not they are not spacefaring, so there was no way to combat that. No, you're right about that, and I, I I get it. It just seems he was. I never came up with the fact that he. I never got my mind that he was prepared for them coming back, especially when he saw the star. He's like, he was surprised to see it. He knew they were coming back. He. I mean, that's the whole thing is. He's ex-Marine. He, he knows tactics in battle. He would have – heavy preparations would have gone into this. He would have had people on sentry duty. He would have really been into this. Yeah. But, no, uh, so I don't know though, right? So his whole goal in the first one, you know, the second half of the movie was to be – was to be, you know, one with the Na'vi, was to become a part of, you know, their culture and be, you know, be there. So I don't think he wants to be in that space where he's 
hyper worried and focused on, you know, the sky people will come back any day, you know, in the future, we have to be ready for it. I think he fully immersed himself in what the Navi are and what, and I don't want to say they're carefree, but they, they give what the planet, they take what the planet gives them at all times. And they're one with, you know, what's happening in the now they're not planning that far in the future. And he's just, he's happily living his life with his family because that's what he, that, that's what he chose to do. He wanted to be, a, he wanted to become a part of that. And he, and he did immersely. And there's some, there's, you can't, you can't have that character be hyper-focused on, well, they're going to come back one day. So we have to be ready because then you get a different character. You get someone yep. who's, who's military obsessed when that isn't where he was. He was obsessed oh, that's, with, he's, that's his with training, his though. That's his absolute training. You don't ever forget that. I mean, Quaritch even tells you in the early parts of this movie is you don't you, Marines go to hell and regroup, meaning you never you never get out of being a Marine. You're always once you go through that training, you're always a Marine. It's never never leaves you. Yeah, but I, don't know, I, I just thought it was again. I don't know how he would defend from that. I just thought it was weird that there was nothing instantly in place. I think I think I think his I. The, I, this isn't a great way to describe it, but his carefree attitude is it's fitting of what of where he ended up at the end of the first film. And then also on something else, he is Navi. He became them and him calling them sky people is exactly what you would do if there was a language barrier between you and, you know, someone within our, you know, if there's a word for something that is used amongst the people that you're with, you're going to use that word. You're not going to. Yeah, you only force, call them what they call them. Yeah, you're not going to force what you call them upon you know upon them because it's not going to make any sense. It makes sense except for our boy Spider. Well, but I mean, he's but he's not he's he's narrating to us though. Yeah, he's, he's narrating the story. He's not talking to unless, unless it's so unless it turns out that this whole time he's been talking to when 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 the five films finish and the narration is him telling the story to someone or younger generation or awa or he's dead this whole time and he's been telling the story however it's going to turn out I, I don't know but i mean he is narrating this whole he's narrating as if someone who's experienced it and is looking back I that's think... one thing i keep hearing it's not so he even in the narration you he's already so he's already experienced everything and now he's looking back i think he's narrating from his perspective at the end of this film he's per, he's narrating this film as jake the re, the reborn navi He's not. Sully. Yeah, he, yeah. He's 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 narrating from that perspective. I think in the first film he's narrating from the end of that film. I think it's I think it's a bookend narration where he does where his narration is from the end point of the first film, and then this one's from the end point of the second film. Interesting. I could probably see that for sure. Yeah, I mean that's a I, again it's that's it, as good as theory as any, but we won't know until we we totally finish with them. But yeah, that's sure. not a terrible way to look look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess in the end of the first one, he doesn't leave any, you're right though. It ends, it does end on a great note and he's talks about his birthday as in like rebirth to a Navi. So yeah, I, I guess that's right. But there is narration and that's kind of what I enjoy though, is it's a, it's, it's a wiser Jake Sully looking back and telling us the story than when he experienced it. And I think that's kind of important also. So let's talk about the 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 big the big thing you talk about when talking when talking about the first thing you talk about. How does it look? Awesome. Now, so Roger and I, we both watched it in three D. Chris, you did not. You watched it in two D. I watched it in two D. So did it still? I think in three D, this movie looks. I watched it in IMAX three D. The movie looks phenomenal. It looks yeah. amazing. So with my viewing of the film, like the movie, 
you know, pound for pound, you know, what, what the CGI you get on the screen is, it's phenomenal. It's out of this world. It's, it's fantastic. It looks beautiful. 100%. There are some shots here that look like it's from a Disney dolphins nature documentary, you know, when they're yep. under the water, it looks fantastic. I agree 100%. I thought it looked even the second time I, I thought it looked amazing. I, it just almost better than <laughs> almost better than real life, almost better. But because you're right though, Pandora is kind of a utopian earth. Um, so, I mean, it, but I, I just, sometimes I got lost in the visuals that I just, I just completely got immersed in the visuals and almost forgot what was going on in the story for a few minutes, which is a testament to how this movie looks. I, I, I've been thinking for a while of how to talk about this, of how to bring up this question to you guys. And I, I know me being me, sometimes I get on my soapbox and I just want to be up there for one second. I want to ask you guys a legitimate question. So imagine you're, you were born in like 1965 or any late, late 60s and then Star Wars hits the screen in the 70s. How do you as a kid not go see this? So I'm asking a general question. I mean, even hearing chatter from people, Star Wars is Star Wars is something. You got to go see it. So, oh yeah, it was it was an event. So, but like, why aren't people why aren't people flocking to the theater to watch this? This is this is the best visual thing ever been on the screen, bar none. Like no contest. So why aren't people more ecstatic to go watch this? As I said before, the of the eight hundred eighty one million dollars. The, the American market is only 31% of that. Well, I, I think one thing has to do with how much, you know, movies actually cost to go to, honestly, um, which is a weird thing for me to bring up, you know, because I go to, you know, movies for 20 bucks a month because I'm smart like that. But, you know, not everybody goes to the movies anymore, like actually goes to the movies. Plenty of people watch this movie. Plenty more people watch it when it's available to watch at home. You know, we have talked at length, and I'm not going to get into it again about why movie theaters aren't exactly the the best way to watch a movie anymore for most people it's just you know time and convenience one thing that i definitely think is holding avatar back is the fact that it's three hours and 12 minutes long okay um it is not a short run out get dinner go to the movies come home in a couple of hours sort of thing it is not it is an entire evening dedicated to strictly avatar and that has to be affecting something along the lines for money um but, you know, the people that do see it all agree it does look gorgeous. It is very, very pretty. The story is okay. Um, they, you know, there's no groundbreaking cinema in that aspect here, but it really does look good. But I could definitely see where people are like, ah, we'll see how it goes before I go see it. Yeah, and I, so, like, uh, well, more to that point, it's me personally, from my viewing, I am, I'm glad I saw it in theaters. It was, it was a fantastic experience and it was great. I'm really excited to see it at home. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it on my 4K television. Absolutely. I bet it's going to look better in my house than, than it did looking on, you know, at, in the theaters the way that I saw it, especially with some of the other, like some of the visual issues that do come up in this film for certain, for certain theaters and certain types of viewing. Well, so, it depends on what the, if the theater is up to date, most of the movies, if it's, if it's a up to date theater or brand new, it's an 8K screen. Well, so I don't, I don't know where you went, but if it's around here, 
you're it's behind by well, there's at a, least a generation or two. Well, there, there's other issues though too. So there are frame rate issues if you're not watching this in the actual like you know the intended you know IMAX 3D you know like version of the film. There are frame rate issues in this, and that's just because of you know the the choice of of how they film the film this movie, which is fine. But like you know your your billion dollar project has some frame rate issues, and it's it's because of the compatibility across the different ways that you know you, people can view the movie when it's at home streamed or whatever in 4k on my television, it won't have those frame rate issues and it will, it will look cleaner for my viewing. And I'm really excited about that because it, it did look gorgeous in theater from what, you know, when I saw it. So it's going to look even better on my TV, you know, which is, you know, I, don't, I have a nice TV, which will, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll hit the gambit of what this movie offers. And I'm excited for that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that, you know, are thinking the same way. They have nice, super nice TV or home entertainment setups. They don't got to go to the movies to see this spectacle anymore. They can see it at home. You know, they can get a lot out of their setup, you know, and that's what they paid for when they put that together, you know, that kind of thing. Plus also Avatar came out of, you know, it took a couple of years between the two films. I don't know if you know this. So, Oh it, yeah. It, it, it takes it taking some time. The generation that is going to be excited to see this film is busier now. And you know, it's harder for this generation to, you know, uh, that they're that like the target audience is to go to the theaters to, to find the time to spend the money. Whereas, you know, it was it, I believe Avatar one hit, you know, hit maybe a wider crowd, but it it hit our generation back then. And the those people now are a little bit busier and a little more hard to go to the go to the movies right now. So it's easier to say, well, I'll wait for it to come out. Now, the movie's making a ton of money already. And that sure. speaks, that speaks to people's desire to see this film, obviously. And you know, I, I think it's it's in a positive direction, but it, it it definitely has to keep climbing to hit its hit the marks it wants to. But by no means is this an unsuccessful showing. I think it's already i I think it's already in profit for this movie because if it they be. spent if they spent a billion on four movies and that's two hundred fifty million per movie. But I mean, the, but they're shooting them all in tandem. It's just how you code it when you do the when you do the pay the invoices and the budgeting. Yeah, yeah. So they're already in profit mode for this movie, I think, right? Or they could just look at it as once it clears a billion dollar mark, they paid for they won't have any profit on this one, but they've got their money back, so the yeah. rest will be pure pure profit. Yeah, exactly. And but like, don't we have to take a you know a billion dollar you know to to film then a billion dollars for total marketing over the next you know how many? Well, I, I'm how many sure years? it was five hundred million for marketing. Yeah, massive. Yeah. I mean, this is not okay. a small movie. Yeah. So well, the one thing with this too is we're since they're are filming multiple things at once, we'll never get a clear cut amount for how much just one movie costs. They'll never tell us because they don't have to. True, pound for pound, movie for movie, but we can still take the aggregate of like the one billion dollar cost, right? You sure. know what I mean? No, and the, yeah, and that, that's a fair fair number probably put out there, but mm-hmm. you know, if we're talking about legitimately, so Avatar two's come and gone, right? That's how you got to look at it. So with Avatar three, you know, when it comes, it's going to have this whole another advertising budget, but the mm-hmm. movie budget doesn't really factor into that, so yeah. you never get yeah. a real number on how much this movie costs to get mm-hmm. to the public. So, gotcha. you know, it is what it is. Now let's let's have some real fun. Let's talk about the actual movie for a minute, huh? Yeah. How about that? How about we talk about the water people and how they're different from the forest people? And well, okay, so a little bit. So we get back into the Avatar story, and I thought it was interesting how they brought Quaritch back into it. I thought that was actually yeah, kind of yeah. it's fine. No, you guys didn't yeah, like that. I mean, 
whatever. Well, well when so, I saw he was when, when I saw he was signed on for the rest of them, I was like, oh, great. I'm gonna say with, with, with knowing what we know and knowing like you know a the way this film ends and b like knowing that he's a part of all these films, it makes sense. But like in a vacuum, before knowing all those things, I can see why you would roll your eyes at court's coming back in the way he comes back you know what i mean because yep. like they're setting up this this you know this nemesis thing you know this rival this rival thing to play out across multiple movies and that's fine but like until you understand that it's kind of like oh this guy again but now he's blue like, like so like there's a lot of things that play into that feeling and i get that i understand roger's reaction to that because it was my reaction but then i remembered you know oh well isn't he he signed on for all these movies so let's see what happens in this. So it's like, okay, you know, I see what they're doing, but you know, not everybody's gonna think of it that way. It's gonna be kind of like, ugh, this guy again. Well, no, but you're you're right though. My reaction was the same. I expected oh, yeah, something true. different. I expected the same. I expected Lang's involvement to be the same as Sigourney Weaver's, very minimal and kind of stilted. And just by showing the, I didn't expect them to literally bring him back, which they did oh, yeah. in Avatar Body. But I mean, look, if someone hates Jake Sully, it's Quaritt. So I mean, they've set that up. However, and I just want to jump ahead for one, one second here. I'm not okay with how this movie ends with Quaritch. I thought that was very, very oh, stupid. I thought that was I, an amateur. I've got a whole I've got a whole paragraph about that actually. Okay, but we'll, 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 we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So <laughs> Quaritch is back. And what I thought the interesting part was um, him and his team of Marine uh, Navi Marines, they go stomp through the forest to look for Jake Sully, and they come across um, the shack. They come across the the old shack that Sully hooked into when they were fighting off the the Marines in the first film, mm-hmm. and but then again we come Korg comes across his his own corpse, which I actually thought was kind of neat. That was nifty. I didn't think they yeah. would do something like that, but it was kind of neat that he even pulled his old video feed mm-hmm. and had it like you know decrypted so he could watch it and sees himself die, which has got to be. You know how Korg is there or not is irony enough, but being able to have him be like, oh shit. This is actually what happened. He's like, oh, interesting. Well, well like, and, and that affects him th- from the movie from there on too, because every time oh yeah, it there, changes his perspective on something. Well, yeah, and like, every, well, every time he he sees uh, he sees some arrows, it actually like you can see in his face that he's like, all of a sudden he's worried because like, like that's he can see that's how he died before. Yep. So but he it, also it, knows it, he also knows that's her arrows. He's so looking it, for somebody very specific. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's what I mean, and I th- I think that's actually good storytelling. Well, they it's, again, it's 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 weird how we how he completely glosses over and doesn't really pay attention to some details, but other details he's like super intimate with, and he's like, "Well, that's pretty clever, actually." Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's just it, those are the things I I kind of I want. I have a lot of unfortunately red flags in this movie, and I didn't want them. I still loved it. I just I have talking points. But anyway, so let's go on a little further. Is well, let, Jake Sully? Let's, let's be honest on that point real quick. We we haven't exactly given Avatar the first movie the biggest praises for being having the great strongest story and, and great writing. That's not what it does like super well. So I I find those as acceptable faults because I didn't expect brilliant writing from the, from this. I expected what I got you know in the positive sides of things. I think we get decent writing, but there's like I said, there's nothing earth shattering about this story. No, it's unfortunately not written. I mean, there are some good, well written sections of this film but unfortunately there's also some poorly no, written the, sections the, the, the some of the parts adds up to something that's above you know better than good most of the time it's just there's nothing there it's just like cinematic masterpiece 
you know <laughs> it's just not but the you know story-wise it will never be the strongest thing visually it's incredible absolutely incredible but like if you want to dog on the story for a minute let's just open up the entire can of worms like i know what's going to happen with Corich four movies from now like i fucking know well okay what do you <laughs> what do you think's going to happen i don't think we do know he's going to be integrated completely into a navi He's going to get jacked into AWOC, and he's going to see everything that Jake sees. Wait, does you, you mean he's going to turn his, – his, his allegiance will turn? Yes. I don't think that's even possible. Oh, my God. It's already coming. Ah, so hold on. <laughs> I was with you until you said he was, he was, he was going to turn and okay, be on so Jake's listen, side. So maybe, maybe, he never, maybe he never forgives Jake or whatever, but you tell me he's not one step further to being a full-blown Na'vi. Dude, he's already got an Ikrin. Well, he's already learning to control things. He doesn't. He still hates, though. That's well, the thing. So only until he doesn't. So there are three I, other movies already in line. I'm. I think it's gonna be. It's gonna be what you said, but it's gonna break up to something else. I think he is gonna integrate into Awa. I think he's gonna be the virus that tries to bring it down. Kind of. He's gonna tap into that and find a way to to like to start to kill the planet from the inside. I see. I, just, I don't see it. I, I I just I think that's how it goes because I think he's the antithesis to what to what Jake is right. Jake was reborn as and uh, as a Navi and he has taken on that fully. Whereas whereas Korch was forced into it, reborn that way, and you know, in almost in in a way that will be like the opposite of Jake, where Jake is born into it and is accepting and is one with it. Where Korch is going to be born into it. And he want, and he will end up resisting it and resenting resenting that. I think eventually, he will work against it to bring it down. Eventually, to me, it ends up with Corrige and Spider together as Navi. Well, Spider desperately wants to become a Navi. Well, I mean, yeah. but, so hear me out. Corrige and Spider together as a Navi family, right? Ultimately, in whatever four or five, whatever number they end up on, fighting actively to repel the human invasion. Tell me that that's not exactly in line with how we've seen things so far. I just don't think Quartz can go there at this point. It's not impossible, but... Well, here's the thing. It doesn't have to go there at this point. We have minimum another six hours of storytelling before we get to that point. (laughs) All right. Fair. I'll give you that. We definitely do have a ton more... I mean, well, with James Cameron time, we have 12 hours of storytelling. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe 10 hours and 45 minutes, for sure. I'll agree with that. Let's talk about the other gleaming conversation point in this movie is Spider. Spider. People either hate him or they love him. And I personally, I thought he was a problem. I I think... Don't get the fascination with Spider. I mean, sure, fine, human, actual human element, but... On, I man. think that Spider causes an issue in a few ways. I think that on paper, the character of Spider is fine, and I think he makes more sense on paper. I think the movie doesn't do a good job of of making that character into what he's what I th- what I think he's he's going to be or what he could be. I think that the like the movie itself doesn't do a good job with. It. I think on script and on paper, it's fine. Um, it even makes okay. sense. But I think the like it causes a lot of issues that they don't address, like. Um, what, why is, uh, what's Jake Sully's, um, wife's name again? I can't, I'm having a Natiri. Why is Natiri so against Spider when Jake is literally an ex-human that she has taken in? I still think, I still (sighs) think she sees, but she sees, but, but he is a Navi now. Spider is human. He he wasn't though. You know what I mean? But but still, he's made that, but like Spider still represents 
what well, could be dangerous to her children. Well, and the no. one thing, the one thing with Natiri's attitude towards Spider is she's the only one that really feels that way. The rest of the family accepts him as yeah. family. Monkey boy. Weird. Yep. You know, it's, so it's, it's by the film she accepts him too i know so. but it's a weird story st- oh she was ready to kill him though it's it's a weird well, it's a weird story son. stance to take it's a weird story stance to take when in your first film you had someone masquerading as a navi that you accepted and brought in when mm-hmm. someone who desperately wants to be a part of your people and has proved himself up again and, you, and you're resistant to that for some reason i don't also think the spider's breather never have to be changed no never i guess not because he's away from he's away from a refill for a long time <laughs> Um, well, okay, I, I well, assume it's months. What I, what I want to say on that is we all know who Spider's father is. Spider's Quaritch, just so everybody knows. They don't hide that, though. Well, no, they, they, don't. they don't. They do not. However, they don't have to hide it because they're hiding another big reveal, which will happen later, is who's – what's her name? Kate or Kitty? Um, Kitty. The Sigourney Weaver daughter, the Sigourney Weaver's voicing – we don't know who her father is, and we get a small piece of the puzzle when she finally gets to meet. She she plugs her she plugs herself into the world into a wall, and she does get kind of a weird visual. It's not a, it's not a memory. It's not a memory. It's like a, it's a it's a it's a sight forward. Like she sees what's to come, and she sees, or maybe it's not what's to come, but it's definitely not what's in the past. But she's seeing, and she gets to walk up to Grace Augustine, literally yeah. talk to her, and then all of a sudden she's ripped away we 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 don't see we don't see the end of that like so that's still a big mystery as to what's going on i mean theories for me of course is knowing james cameron's involvement with terminator is he has he likes to create characters with christ figures with you know christ like uh, jobs of saving humanity so i think i honestly think that's going to be she's going to try to be awas child you know immaculately conceived blah 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 i think she's going to try to be awas child and i what i'm what i'm worried about is she's also going to try to be a Quaritch, because that would mean that Quaritch and augustine were something and or i mean were something or against her will i don't know she really hated Quaritch in the first film so i mean it could be either way but one of my great fears is that she's also a Quaritch. i don't want that i think that's completely a wasted storyline because it's not the right character to be a Quaritch. It's not the right character to be, to also have to make a choice. You don't want it to be Norm, just like the kids. Yeah, we definitely wanted to be Norm. Um, But like, that's the other, that's the mystery in this one is who is that relation? I think she's more like a Paul, isn't she? From like Dune. She's like, she has a little bit more control over what, you know, what AWA offers because well, of she's the only one. Well, well, Kitty does. We don't know about the yeah. actual avatar baby itself yet. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, Not eventually we will have to get to that point. But she's but the, the Paul Atreides reference isn't a bad one though, because Kitty is definitely different. Definitely. Yeah. Well, the thing about that is though, is it's, a, it doesn't, well, she's the only one that's able to really, sorry, we're saying Kitty, it's Kiri, K-I-R-I. It's, they call her Kitty, though. We're she's able to control Awa. That's what we see. That's what the movie shows you. But no one else can control Awa. No, none of the Navi even can control Awa. So that's a big deal. So I mean, we 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 get a small piece of the puzzle. I mean, again, we have 15 more hours of movie to watch. So <laughs> every time I say, I'm just going to keep getting more and more. But I mean, we do the small piece of the puzzle. That's what intrigues me the most is who is what's going on there. And I think it's going to be a big deal. It has to be a big deal, right? Because if you keep on the same formula of 
Korich being the main villain, hunting down Jake. And they, 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 they've also got to bring Parker back into it, Giovanni Ribisi. He's also signed on for all of them. They've, they've, well, he's he's still alive in their world, right? Right, but we didn't. We saw him for a minute in this one, in, in, in a yeah. recording, not even like – Yeah, just flashback, yeah. basically. So we have a lot of ground to cover. I think this movie didn't cover enough ground. I think he wanted – I think he was more interested in reestablishing – Fuck, he wanted this movie to be longer? No, 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 no. I, I, I'm saying we we covered unnecessary things. Like part of this movie is almost a rehash of the first film. Part well, of it there, is there is a large overlap. That is yeah. accurate. Yeah, and the is. last in the last forty five minutes is Titanic, so that's always good too. But <laughs> I mean, is that is that a sinking ship reference? Yes, of course. I mean, yes, he made Titanic. Of course, it's a reference. But I mean, I don't understand why you don't think it's a Fast and Furious film. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Moving right past that. So okay, let's go back a little further then. So we're, we had, so we we have we have all the characters in play. But so Jake and his family, he he knows he's being hunted. Again, that marine instinct kicks in. He knows when he's being targeted, hunted. So he leaves, which I thought was a cool choice for him, given how much he was the leader of the Navi. Which he, we he can't completely step down. Which that we, was interesting. We we can't really call him the Navi. We'd call him the forest people because that's what they were. We call him the Navi, but there's other sects. They're all Navis. the Navi. So he gives up his leadership role and goes to the water people, goes to them and says, I need to hide my family here, which they reluctantly accept. So I thought that was cool how the water people are, are a much lighter blue than so – Yeah, the, the anatomically, there are many differences between them. Skin color being one of them, they are definitely more sea-colored, definitely more greenish blue instead of the bright blue like uh, Jake and his tribe. Um, their fingers and hands are different. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but their hands, their their appendages are much more dorsal or fin-like. Well, their tails are much more fin-like. Well, I was thinking, uh, I can't wait for this to be a better Little Mermaid than Little Mermaid when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, well, oh. it de- definitely going to be. But I did like the difference between them and the detail. My God, when these people get out of the water, the detail on their face mm-hmm. – it's just it's incredible. It's I think every and everyone who makes video games for a living says that's what we need to achieve right there. Well, so I, I do want to talk if you want to talk about that, I'm gonna talk about one scene for just a minute. Um the scene towards the end when um Natiri in um and her son are in the water, in the in the ship as it's going down, right? Her daughter. Daughter, yeah, sorry. Um what's the little one's name? Starts with a T. Tuck. Tuck. Oh, yeah. Um, when they're in the water and like they're going down and like the way the shadows look, they look as real as you can have something look and it be computer generated. Yep. And I was it was so impressive mm-hmm. because like look, I'm a video game guy. You guys both are as well. Mm-hmm. You don't even get shit like that in video games. Nope. It's very it's <laughs> like very you rare just when you do. Don't. Yep. And it was just like wow. And then she, you know. And then they send the, you know, the light up like water moth things or whatever. And it just, the way that whole scene looks, wow. Yep. Just wow. I'll agree with you. I think this is, I think this is at least half a decade ahead of Pixar and Disney with animation too. But I mean, you, you, but you see where all the money went and that's, you know, we were all wondering where does a billion dollars go? Well, that, that's true. So one thing that we always kind of animation though. It, it, that's that's accurate but even if you look i know listen you know we just very freshly watched the first avatar movie last week before we talked about it the step forward visually between avatar one and Avatar two now listen i know there's 15 years okay i get that 
but the way the more detail and more complex and more real they look on screen is just so goddamn impressive to me. Oh really yeah, is. bar none. It's yeah. visually this movie is the best thing ever on the screen. Well, so uh, I'd like to actually make a point on that, and I'm not trying to dog the movie, but I believe what Avatar did visually in 2009, this movie doesn't match that. That no, 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 because that was a big step forward at the time. Sure, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. So, like, like I think that's worth mentioning, and it's not, it's not a dig against Avatar two. I think it's just because it's hard to keep pushing that forward. So it is impressive what they have been able to push, because compared to you know, I, I think there's a reason why this movie was in like post production for like what four years or something yep. like that. Yeah, and it's because that's where that's when <laughs> you know all, where it went. well, yeah, that's where all the CGI guys do their work. You know, that's when they're working on the film and they're getting things polished and they're tidying things up. So, and it, it is impressive. It's just, it, it's not as much of a leap as what they made in 2009, but it's because of how far we've come, period. In that, you know what's in funny that is, space. is you, you, you say that, and I think you're probably right, given like a percentage of a step forward. But if there's one man who's going to take your challenge, it's, it's James Cameron. <laughs> well, but so uh, let's give him credit where it's due. Yeah, listen, so it's not as technically as far of a step forward, but the absolute refinement of it. Like yes, you're, you're, you, you went from, you know, let's take 75% step forward, but that last five or 6% that they went further in this one is where like the details come in, Oh yeah, you know, like the reflections and the, the bioluminescence of them yeah. when they're underwater and the shot we <laughs> get, um, in the trailer where it's like, it, it, it starts out upside down and then come and then spins around seeing that in theater confused my brain. It looks so good. Oh, oh you mean and, when uh, when the when the youngest son is is with the whale, and you're like, yes. why is he is he scared yeah, the bottom a, of the ocean or some yeah, weird exactly. void or something? Yeah, that, that's exactly what I thought. I was, I was like, is there an air pocket in the ocean? And then like all of a sudden, it, like the camera spins, dude. That was that looks so good in action on screen and film, not on the trailer cut. Like night and day, man. Like just impressive beyond belief no i agree with you and chris i think if you do a side-by-side comparison there are a ton of side-by-side comparisons of some screenshots i don't think you really have you done any of any of those because it makes the first avatar look pretty bad well i mean so like comparatively well yeah but that was 2009 i'm not saying that it didn't make a a far from 2009 to now i'm saying that what they did then compared to what they've done now is not as well, just remember, everybody was still behind 2009's Avatar up until like three years ago. <laughs> that's, <Yeah>. that's true. <laughs> that's true. And that's I, something and you I have to know. put in perspective. I, I, yeah. do, I do think I saw that the end of January, early February is when the, the 4K cut of this is available on, on store shelves. So mm-hmm. I think you're going to see another push. But I mean, oh, yeah. again, it'll be the... Allegedly. Yeah, it'll be the first time you're going to see Avatar in 4K also outside of the theater because yeah. back then, was was Roger? Do you remember the specs of the Finland? Marquee? I think it was Finland. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant we actually got a 4K cut <laughs> of Avatar. No, no. But do you remember at Marquee since we were a fairly new theater at the time? Do you remember? Do you remember what the screen resolution was? It was a 4K screen then. I th- I thought so. Tech goes bigger and then gets smaller. It was 3820. But... But yeah, it was. It was there. It was very impressive. But my, my, my point is, I think it's a lot further step ahead than you think, Chris. That's what I'm trying yeah. to. I but think I mean, it's a much further step ahead. Being newer than that's 15 yeah. year old stuff that we were playing with back then. Absolutely. So again, we, we we've covered reintroduction into Pandora, and yeah. we're all we're all very impressed with the with the technology and how it looks. 
not so impressed with the story, but we knew that going in. I think the story kind of took a backseat to so everything. Let, I think One, we should. Yeah, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, I, I I think we should cover just in, in, in a broad stroke, uh, like the interactions between all of our characters and their new home, because that's where we live for most of the film, right? So, like, I think that's where we get you know all the character growths, all the changes, you know, in in you know all of our family that we see, you know, the new family members that come that like kind of come sure. in old. I think, you know, touching up on this, on this stuff, because like for me personally, I, I connected with Tuck more than anyone else in this film. And she has the least screen time too, which is mm-hmm. but like this time. Yes. She reminds me so much of my four of like my four year old daughter. And the fact that like this film could make, could make this CG CGI generated, you know, blue person like brings so much feeling of, of like emotion and have me connect with it in such a way that like it reminded me of you know of, of someone that i see and live with every day like that was impressive and they're cool right and, and like and like I, I like the way that she like all of her points on screen and like she has like one of the best lines in the film you know what i mean and i think that was great that they gave that to her where you know where she's going back to the boat you know sully stick together and it was just like oh oh yeah kid get it I don't know. Like, well, I mean, it's they really did double down the family, and so much to the point where I think there is a shift in this movie where we completely, where Jake Sully is no longer the focus of the film, and the and the, the kids become the focus, well, especially what's going on with. Wait, what? Jake Jake Sully was never the focus of this film. I think he was for well, the for, for the first I, half. I, I kind of I agree with Grayson up until like when they start becoming integrated to the Water Tribe, mm-hmm. then it's all the kids. Now listen, Jake's still there, still playing a role, but he is no longer the centralized piece no. of the puzzle. Yeah, no, no I, I, it shifts to because the son's story becomes yeah. what we're Jake, meant to what we're meant to focus on. Jake Sully is the vessel to get us to the actual like Absolutely. story of this film. Yeah, no, it revolves around him, but he is not the focal point at that. You know that is he's not the focal point from there going forward. No, he I get this yeah, from agreed. point A to point B. Um, I would say though the. Um, I want to make a direct comparison from Avatar 1 to Avatar 2. When the family becomes integrated with the Water Tribe, like that's, we get a lot of the same scenes from Avatar 1 to Avatar 2, right? You know, they have to learn how to get a mount. They have to learn how to breathe underwater. They have to learn how to do certain things water-related that, you know, it's like watching Jake learn how to mount the horse and to mount his Ikrin and... Um, learn how to hunt and run through the forest without falling down and things like that. That's what we get in a in a broader scale with multiple people, right? That that's what happens there, and I, it, it it's cool. But again, though, not the strongest story point. But damn, it looks really good, and I'm good with that. Um, the one thing I did want to mention is I never expected Avatar two to have the best story in the world. All it had to do was be good. And it would deliver, and it does, right? Yes, I, I think you're right. You're, you're, everything you just said is accurate. But I mean, I also think that that's by design. Yeah. So, but like, he, you could tell that the, the story could kind of a backseat to the visuals anyway. Again, I, anyone who's saying that the visuals are not impressive are like those same people that. Uh, dude, that's just inaccurate. Well, it's it's those same people that said they, they they knew it was the guy on the ground and saw the whole time. Like, no, no you no no no, off. you're just lying. No, you didn't. Like, don't. 
Okay, so I, I, I will say this one thing. If you want to get into the politics of how this movie is being received, you're more than welcome to. I just don't see how that matters in the grand scheme of things. But going back to what I said earlier is if you can watch this movie and come out of it saying you weren't impressed by the visuals, then the failure is on your end. Or, or you're, 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 you're either – you either can't see that or you're trying real hard not to. But either way, the failure is on, on your end because the visuals are absolutely the strongest thing. But it's they're meant to be too. That's what I'm trying to drill home is like – this is an experience like we haven't had in the cinema for a very long time. True. So True. There, there, there's, there's that, but like that also helps to serve the story, especially, you know, I mentioned in the last, you know, 30 minutes of this. Uh, I mean, as a joke, I said, it's basically Titanic, but that visual yeah, kind of, <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it is. It's, I mean, you know, people are stuck in a ship that's sinking and they need to get out before they die. So I get that. But like also the visuals really help to serve how dire that situation is and there are times sure. there are times when i was looking at that i'm like god this is there's this is real like i'm looking at a real ship like going down in real real time like it just looked mm-hmm. that good but also with our traversing of the water world you can't tell me that when he's learning how to when they're when the kids are learning how to ride their mounts and he's learning how to ride his you know very cocky i might add because you know he jake thinks he knows it he knows it's it all. torak makto torak makto um that's also amazingly visually awesome. <laughs> like I use yeah. three words to describe, but again, that's, and there's some of those scenes when it, you're looking at the character in the water from a side, but like, and then the, you can, you kind of see the water hit the edge of where the camera lens would be. And like, I kept reminding myself like, Oh, that's a cool effect that they definitely wanted in the movie because they, they're not trying to hide that. They're trying to say, look how good this looks. Look what we did. Look, look what your 20 bucks went to see is, you know, amazing. You're looking at amazing visuals here, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that ultimately hurts the story by really being noticeably more important than the actual story. In, in your eyes, well, does that hurt it? I mean, I, I think it serves two purposes too, because it, it's like when they go underwater, it, it's like a whole different world. So, like as they're you know, yep, above and then going and then going below it's like they're traveling to a diff to a different world than what they've they, even what they've known they've been connected to the surface of pandora but now they're going to this other world that they have never been a part of before i think the camera break between you know above water and below water that you're talking about i think it i think it kind of signifies that as well where like you know this is where you know this is where he's you know, where they've been and this is where they're going but there yeah, is a difference between yeah. those two places you're absolutely right about that. I, I I do think that's that's that is in in play more than it's not. Um, I do. There are several aspects with one try when him. I do like. And I think Cameron nailed. I think he nailed Sully. I always think he's nailed Sully with, with what he knows, how he talks. He, he. I like his more dreads now. It's nice. Well, he always talks like a marine. He always acts. His kids respond, to, you know, sir, yes, sir, and like he's taught them some military lingo. I mean, they're they're they're, they're young, but he's teaching them. How to be because look, I mean, Quaritch says it in both movies. A a trained marine in Avatar body, that's about as potent a mix as you get. You know, strength and speed combined with training. Oh boy. That's a that's a that's a Marine's that's an army's, you know, wet dream there. But I th- I, th- I think he nailed Sully. We're talking about because we're talking people are saying that it's not well written. Well, I I mean some of it is, some of it isn't. I also think he nailed one tribe accepting the Sully family. You know, because the the war leader of the Cliff Curtis character of the Water Tribe, the the leader of the Water Tribe, he, you know, tells his people, well, Sully's a good war leader. 
and he did lead a rebellion that was successful. So we will accept him and he will, his family will learn to pull their weight. Like that seems to me like a normal, like a real conversation that well, would happen when one tribe accepting another. How about one of the best scenes in the movies when uh, Natiri and uh, the water leader's wife have their little moment and they kind of Jake and him just kind of look at each other like, Hey man, what do you want me to say? Yeah, I mean, the, the men just want just want to settle it. No, more. they're just like, hey, dude, like you're cool, I'm cool, we're cool, and the yeah. wives are like, I don't know, man, like snipping at each other. Yep. and they're just like, all right, yeah. But that's the whole thing is the one thing I missed. I mean, the one that's thing- what's like living in the suburbs, dog. I tell you that right now. <laughs> that's what it's like. The one thing I missed was uh, the leader of the water people getting down on one knee to Took and, you know, give, giving, saying something and then like winking at her, like, of course we're going to accept you and your kids here. We will help you whatever you need. But I also like the, I mean, you see, here's, it's a little, well, you find out who's really running the show. It's always the wife, right? <laughs> always the wife. Yes, of course. Um, that's, but that's important, I think too, because that's going to be more important. And Chris, you mentioned something earlier about in one of the scenes, which I think one of the cooler scenes uh, you know, a very key death sends someone into, and, and this person does get her, she does get some ass kicking time on screen. It's very much earned because of what's happened. Mm-hmm. And she does kind of go into a drunken, like Vietnam rage of just killing, killing, killing. And it's, but it's well earned. It's well warranted. That's mm-hmm. what I want to say about that. But it's also that look between her and spider is there's lots of things set up for, we're going to follow through into the next movies so yeah. that's what I'm looking. That's part of. I mean, two. This one is is just a setup movie. It is, it is Deathly Hallows Part One. It's a setup for what is to come. So yeah, as long as people can just accept that and wait for the next one in, in 20 years patiently, then <laughs> <laughs> then I mean, but I mean, supposedly, <laughs> supposedly it's it's a year from now. So we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, or it gets pushed back and it gets pushed back and it gets pushed back, which might happen. But I mean, look, supposedly it is one year from now that we get that. So I do look forward to all the, 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 the story threads planted to going into the next one. I don't know if it helped this movie, but I think it's going to help pre there. Sorry. I think it's going to help the next movies to come. Um, I mean, as long as the stories have, you know, as long as the movies have a connecting story throughout them, I'll continue to watch Avatar. Um, as it is, because like, look, I don't expect it to ever look worse than this, right? <laughs> um, and it is slated for 2024, Grace, and it'll be Christmas 24. Oh, so, so it's two years from now. Two years, yeah. Well, oh. I mean, listen, pushing it more than a year, less than a year, the only real movie that's been successful with that was The Avengers when they ended on a cliffhanger. So this movie doesn't really end on a cliffhanger. You know, the story is wrapped for the most part, so yeah, I'm okay I, with that. I, I think if you put them out too fast, you kind of you kind of kill. You dilute, you dilute the product. Yeah, yeah. So, I think two years is good. It, yeah, it, it's a good pace. That's fine. Um, the only thing is, you know, this movie, as long as they have a through line, I know it's one of Grayson's favorite things to say. As long as they have a through line from one to two, and they did, and it works out for me. If they if they continue to pay it, so movies one, two, and three have a through line, that's fine. You know, I just don't want some like crazy off the wall story built into the middle of one. I'm be like, I can't believe you didn't like the fourth Avatar. It was about where they met the cloud people. Blah blah blah. Well, like, I mean, I'm kind of worried that we're gonna meet the mountain people, and then we're. Well, gonna meet I think the- we're gonna meet other people. But I listen. As long as it's not Jake Sully's family running for those three reasons to meet that, that's okay. 
That's okay. Well, I agree. Again, the sequels have to do something that they haven't done before to keep it. I mean, fresh. eventually he becomes like president of Pandora, right? <laughs> yeah, we're assuming, of course, he does. Well, Supreme commander of Pandora, Jake Sully. Well, he's a very competent military leader, and I think that's you know that's what this movie really establishes. Again, is he knows what he's doing when fighting back against an an, an enemy. He's he's courage. He's courageous. He has the tactics. He knows how to organize a fight, and that's important. Again, James Cameron loves. Sci-fi meets military. That's what I mean. That's all of his movies, or most of his movies. That's what it is. Um, even with Titanic, there is some militaristic aspect to that. So I mean, I do enjoy that too. But I mean, I also know what I'm looking forward to. But let's talk about some of these. So Jake Sully's family. He's got two daughters and two sons, and the sons are the older. One oldest son, and then he's got a next oldest son, and his daughters are both younger. So. Do you guys like how they portrayed the kids of like, obviously they went out of their way to show you that they're teenagers and they, yeah, they, okay. you know, they, they stick their tongue out at you and they call each other penis face and they, you know, it just, they, they, they argue like, because yes, yes, they should. Well, that's, you know, I know a lot of people are mad about the phrase about the phrase that they're saying or would be completely stupid, but then again, but they're juvenile and teens say juvenile things to one another when they're arguing. So, I mean, is it really that out of place? I don't think so. But no, it, I don't think so. It is kind of out of place. Um, but let's talk about how they portray the family. How, how, how Did you guys buy the family as mom, dad, four teens, or four, three ki- four kids, two of them teens, two of them younger? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I don't know how you would take that family any differently. I think they did a fine job of you know setting up that family unit. Well, that's important, though, because, I mean, obviously they want us to focus on the, the, the shift happened halfway through this film where – you know, it went from Sully to his kids is to be more important. So I, and one of the key deaths we get, I was actually a little, I was actually a little red flaggy that it didn't, they didn't hammer it home more. I really wanted to, I did cry the first time, not so much a second time, but I was really upset at the first time. And I thinking back on like, why they didn't, I don't think they handled that well. I think that was Natiri scene to steal. And she does. I don't think Jake ever really acknowledges that. I don't think he was as upset as Natiri ever was. There's a difference in mindset, though. So, I mean, like you said, Jake's a Marine. This is your point, right? Yep. There's still a job to do. It's very focused. And if Jake falls apart, that's the, that's the, the head of this operation of the leader of this family falling apart. So there's no control there anymore. He has three other children to make sure they survive and a wife that's about to go ape shit and he knows it. So his yep. job is to is is to keep composure, wait until the mission's done, and then and then it's his time to grieve. That's what that is. That's exactly how that's supposed to break down, and that's that that's his role in that situation. He needs to be the anchor for all the things that are gonna happen, good or bad. Well, no, I totally, that's not, I'm totally get that, but it never, it seems like Natiri was way more, even when they're doing their grieving thing and saying goodbye to him in their own way is even Natiri seemed way more choked up than he ever did. I think that leans exactly into what I just said though. Even in that situation, you know, it's okay to grieve and it's okay to grieve in your own way, but some people some people try to be to continue to be the, the rock and the anchor for their family. You know, that's, that's fair. Okay. And I think that's important to some people. And I think that fits Jake, Jake's character. He has to show, you know, the people that he has left that it's that, you know, 
things will be okay. You got to move know, forward. Things will go forward from here. Yep. Well, okay. Fair, fair. That's, I guess that kind of puts me at ease a little bit now. Here yeah. You ever been to a funeral? Before. Everybody reacts a little bit differently. Yeah. Right? Everyone, everyone grieves their own way. Um, That's true. How do we feel about the, about the, the youngest sons, you know, feeling like an outcast matching his feelings with the whale, the outcast whale. How, how do we feel about that subplot going into I think it? it's nifty that he actually bonded with the whale. Um, so that's kind of cool how they actually bond together, yeah. period. Yeah. It's cool. It makes sense, uh, too. Yeah. I think, He's I, well, a bit I think of an it, outcast. The, the whale is a bit of an outcast. And... and I think it sets up what happens in the film, well, you know, like going forward, too, because it, it's that's lining up with again with like like the navi themselves and then you know what what the what the tolkun are going through whereas you know it's they don't want to kill but it's okay to kill when you have to and you know the whale when kills necessary. yeah the whale is, is an outcast because it has killed or it's perceived to have done that whereas you know he does kill you know whatever that angler fish was that was chasing him down trying to murder face him you know, mm-hmm. and that's something that they're not supposed to do, but he does it to save, you know, to save him. The and luck. then, and they, they bond over that and it ends up playing a lot of key points. And, you know, the, you know, their struggle, you know, the, the tacoons are, it, it, it's unique in itself too. And not unique situation. Cause it happens here, you know, you know, on <laughs> our earth, but it's, it's, yes. unique, it's unique for them, you know, what's happening to them compared to what's happening to not be. And it's it's just something that brings them together and you and unifies them and was probably one of the hardest parts of, of one of the hardest things to watch in the film. It hits hard, you know. They, Dude, they when do they it. when they run those when they run down those tacoon. Yep. And oof, yep. man, <laughs> yeah, that that scene and then like the aftermath of that scene, you know, the connection they set up with the um with the water navi and then their reactions and they find it. It's 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 a lot, man, and it's very well done because you know you feel, and that's that's a good job that the movie did to set that up. I agree, and it's all. I mean, it all goes back to the. I mean, there is, I guess, you know, the colonization aspect of these movies is obviously there, um, but it's it's weird that so we're asked to side with the non-human side here. We we bond with the Navi. We want to be part of the Navi. And I, I've always like by the end of the film, I was like I was very invested in. I found myself extremely invested in just with the Navi and Jake's struggle. I, I know other people felt differently. I, I've at least sorry, I've read that other people feel differently, but I really did feel. And then, and you're right, the the Tukun, the hunting of the Tukun for they kill it for the, the the vial that they can sell for eighty million is. It, it's 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 meant to get you in the feels, right? It's doesn't that to... number doesn't that number seem really low? Like it feels like a doctor. I mean, uh, it's not I, an unobtainium style number. <laughs> it, it, it feels like a Doctor Evil moment, where it's like we sell this for eighty million dollars, and they're like sold. <laughs> you know well, what I just, mean? Like, I mean, it's such a small. The thing is, they're they're harvesting, they're killing an entire animal for such a small thing, and they're selling it for such a massive amount. Of, and all he cares about is. Come on, people! Let's go make some money. Literally, I mean, you could have at least broke it down for the meat. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, yes, of course, and you should. Um, but that, that's all part of the world of Pandora. That, like, now so I'm. What's expecting... the point of killing a whale if you're not just going to eat it? But now I expect more of this. I expect more. I mean, do you think we revisit the water? Do you, do you think we? I mean, we come back to the water tribe. Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, are 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 we gonna are we gonna meet a hill tribe? Are we gonna meet the cloud people? Are we gonna are we gonna meet how many different tribes do you think we're gonna meet? Like the plains people? How many people? How many different tribes do you think we think we're gonna meet? I hope we don't. Honestly, I, I in the way that it seems like from this film, it, it's you know, I think we stay with the water tribe, right? Like, At least I think, for a while. Yeah, yeah. I think the whole next movie is gonna be still with you know with the people that we ended this this film with. I think that's a. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if we see the forest people again. True, no, of course. We're, 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 yeah, I, th- I think. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we'll get a third tribe, but I really wouldn't be surprised if we see the second. You know, the first and second people together yeah. again. And if, now that being said, by the end of Avatar Five, I bet you we meet other folks. We uh, have yeah, to. yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think I think the third film will set will really set the stage for what the fourth film will be, and I think the fourth film will be a lot of things coming together. I mean, it has to, by definition, like it has to be after, that. after 41 hours of film, we'll be OK. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it has to be the last one's got to be the end of it, unless he gets some crazy idea in his head. He wants to do another trilogy out of this, which, yeah. I mean, look, but I mean, sure. But I don't did think you just huff aggressively into the microphone. I, I did <laughs> because stop with this. Well, the, the, the thought of. The thought of a genius like James Cameron spending all of his life on Avatar, it, it, it upsets me. Well, what's he going to do, down. make Terminator? No, no but he... Jesus. I mean, he could make Terminator. He posted a story to that effect that he was looking again at that franchise, which means he's got to be... Some of the story has to be somewhat done with Avatar. If he's if he he's giving a... focus elsewhere, he's got to he be... He doesn't have enough testosterone to remake another Terminator. He said that himself. <laughs> what a dumb thing to say. Jeez. Right? <laughs> Good lord, man. Uh, so, okay, we're going to move into wrapping it up in another few minutes. So, what? Are there anything? Two questions. Anything that you guys want to talk about? Glaring that we that way we didn't. I, I know we don't. Our thing isn't things. covering movies front to back. We don't cover. I mean, we could talk for ten hours on Avatar too. I got two things. I want right. to go. Where did the Navi go? The water Navi when the fight started. That's they my question. And then they well, were just gone. Gone. Yeah, well, <laughs> but again, that's a major oversight that. I'm, again, I have to put against James Cameron here. It's against the film. Is like, where did they go? He could have. Didn't they dip out with the other kids? No, well, th- no, because oh. her, because their kid was still there. Yeah. So their where prin- did they? The, they the just princess was still there. They just retreated and just left Sully to fight. I mean, Sully still had a fight. There were still you know dozens of Marines aiming to kill anyone they could on that boat. And here's, and here's the thing: they didn't show them you know dipping out either. Again, if you're if They're you're not going, yeah, if you're not going to if you're not going to say it, you've got to show it. And they didn't do either. It was just like they all charging together. They have a cool they have a cool bro moment, and then they're just poof. And it's just our it's just our crew after that, and one chieftain's daughter. You know what I mean? Like that's all we get after that. And it's just. I agree with Grace, and I believe that that feels it feels like an oversight because, like, I was like waiting for more. Because I think I think the Water Navi are cool as shit. They I are. love I love their okay, setup. I love their setup. I love like I love what what they're like who they're loosely like based you know based around like you know like the contrast to be made of, of like the island nations that you know that oh, exist. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely island nations. Yes. Samoan Pacific yeah, hundred percent. And like awesome. and that's cool as shit. You know, yep. watching that on screen. And then, like I didn't get any more of that. I was like, well, this is depressing. Didn't, so I didn't, hope you, get- didn't you guys want to go live there in their in their huts and everything? Like walk on those bouncy huts and yeah, of course. No, no. Nah, nah. You don't. You don't want to go. You just got done saying how, how much you loved it, but you don't want to go live there. It's like Sea World. I want to visit also, it once. Listen, I ain't living yeah. there. <laughs> I've definitely been to many, many resorts because I'm very fancy, of course. Um, yeah. I don't live there, though, do I? 
All right, fair, whatever. And you never leave the resort. So yeah, no, never leave the resort. Christ, no. <laughs> Trust me, you'll go to the Dominican Republic one day and you'll understand what that means. I went there. You never leave the resort. My God. <laughs> no, Christ, no. So anyway, so yeah, so so that's my number one was the Navi. Where'd they go? And then the other thing is we we talked about it briefly was was spider and what happens with with a quarch quarch. So like. And I so and far like, to left field. You like that's so, so far so to left field. So listen. So like, so I'm gonna spoil it. So spoiler warning. Don't listen for two minutes. But like, Spider saving his father feels like a lazy future film setup. Like the more impactful movie choice for Spider is to leave his father Let and die. die after being so ruthless and after watching him be so ruthless to the people that Spider chooses to identify with. That Spider feels like is his family where he belongs. The better movie moment is him looking at his father, his father looking at him, and him leaving him there to drown. He doesn't have to die, but it isn't Spider that should save him. But it just feels lazy for them to be like, oh, okay, well, we'll bring him back up because it sets up now there's tension next movie, you know, and all this other stuff because he's not to tell them that Quaritch is still alive and he's the one that saved him. And it's just like, it just feels so lazy. It's like a lazy movie set up for what's coming next. Instead oh, of the better moment that makes sense for the spider, the character who I think, well, but it, it never the fight never should have ended the way that it did in the ship. Quartz should have gotten away. I would have preferred Quartz getting away to Spider saving him. You're right, but that doesn't make any sense. I, I just that was one of my biggest like, what in the hell? Because yeah. remember the first one, like they let all the humans go. They let every yep. all the Marines who would have killed them had they had guns. They let them go. So yep. of course they were going to come back. And this one, why would you, I mean? Quaritch is an evil dude. It's not like Spider saw some good in him. Nope. nope. I mean, they did kind of bond a little bit with well, some of those so, scenes when they were in the in the woods together. But I have, a, I have a counter to that. I think it's okay if Spider does see some good in him. I think that makes that 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 meaningful movie choice even more impactful. That you know he connected with his dad while he was you know out and about with him. You know, and that he did, you know, and that Quartz does choose to save Spider instead of, you know, going through with his revenge plot, you know, and that even though those things still weigh on him, he chooses to let him drown because of the the bad that he's done to the people that he, that he believes are his. You know what I mean? Like, that's a better choice instead of, you know, you know, him not feeling those things and then just writing it off. Like, it's just it all lines up to being a bad, a bad move. Agreed. 100 percent agree with you. 100 percent agree with you on that one. Yeah. It took it, is, it took me it took me out of it because I, I couldn't I couldn't I was I couldn't quit thinking about it while I was watching the damn film after that it's like God damn it. But I, I think that I mean ultimately, if if the fight ends up with those two men getting by whatever falling debris on the ship separates them and they have to go their separate ways, I, I think they probably decided not to do that and let them end the fight in the ship. So there's some kind of resolution that Sully does win and is better than Korich, even in the, even in the hand to hand combat with Avatar. I don't know why they did it because the way they chose to me is weird. It's, it's eye rolly. What mm-hmm. you guys said earlier is extremely eye rolly. And of yeah. course, Spider saves him because he's got to be in the next movie because he's signed on for five. You know, of course he's there, which is another reason why I think IMDb should just until the movie is released that weekend, everything on IMDb should just be dark. Like just set it as like to post at a certain time, but. I get a lot of stuff spoiled for me by going on IMDb and seeing people, certain people are in certain movies and it's just like, ah, yeah, well, it happens. Yeah. Same with trailers though, I guess. Okay. So I got, I got two things I want to, one, I want to applaud them um, for having something that actually matters to me in military type films. Mm -hmm. Um, Ammunition is important in this film. Yep. 
Yeah, multiple times they run out of ammo and they have to reload or they go to reload and there is no ammo left. Yep. That's love that. Thank you for that. Um, not unlimited gunship or guns uh, just everywhere on the ship. So that's cool. Uh, other thing I loved talking about the Jake and Quaritch fight. Um, when Quaritch tells him, he's like, if we don't end this now, I'm just going to keep coming at you and I'm going to kill you and your whole family. And Jake just takes his thing off. He's like, well, let's just get this done then. And just yep. goes right at him. I'm like, fucking right, Jake Sully. Go get his ass. Go get his ass. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, but that's I mean, like that, that's strong. Like, I mean, listen, you threaten my family directly. Like, you, you got a problem with me. That's fine. We'll end this. You are my family. You're going to die. <laughs> like, that's, man, that's impactful to me. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, other than that, yeah, it is what it is. I uh, I did. You're not. That's a that's a that's a hero moment. You know, that's one of those moments you're meant to like. You're meant to, you know, sit at the edge of your seat and you're supposed to have a grin on your face, like, oh, this is getting good. That's that's one of those moments. One question I do have for you guys is Sam Worthington. Mm-hmm. Would would he have looking back? If this was the first Avatar movie, would he have been your choice for Jake Sully? Nah, I mean that's a tough thing because it's not the first Avatar movie. So yeah, it, it's hard to switch that up now. But like, Jake Sully isn't unique enough as a character to where he's unplayable by other actors. So like, at Jake, least it, well, it could Avatar One Jake Sully especially is not. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it, it could be anybody else, but it's it's not. It's Sam Worthington, and I think he's fine as Jake. I'm sad. I, I, I'm upset that Jake was such a. I'm not upset that he was a side character in his own film because you know it it, it does lend to like the kids saving the parents, which happens and it, it is a correlation that happens in life. But it, it's just one of those things where like I don't feel like his character was strong or had any real personality besides like the gruff the gruff ex marine dad, and it didn't play any further into that until we got to that third act, which was very entertaining. But up until then, it was just kind of like he just barks at his kids. They do bad things. He barks at them. And then that's all his role was in the film. Anyway, I mean, he definitely he definitely has some tired dad moments, which is I understand. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's just like, you know, after the third time of telling your idiot kid something, just like, fuck, I told you. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> you know, it's just like, listen, I get it. <laughs> yeah, Jake. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but. That's whole thing with that's the drama created that he chose. I mean, yeah, his son's gonna have a major chip on his shoulder going forward. Like we're not gonna see the same son. It's gonna be a very heavy-hearted, sullen. He's gonna be a different person. That's the whole point of what happened in this movie is going forward. I mean, we're ultimately gonna see a sacrifice. I'm sure in one of these movies by his son to save other people because he owes a debt. Mm, um, I think it's gonna yeah, be. I, I don't think, know about that. I think the sacrifice will end up being Jake to save that to save his son. I don't think. I think Jake's gonna lose a lot of. I think. I don't think Jake's as we have it now. Jake, Natiri, and three kids. I don't think that's gonna be a full family after. You, after you the, feel. You feel like the Sullys are in danger, huh? I do. 100%. <laughs> and if Cameron's smart as a storyteller, he will use that. He will take Jake down to nothing. He will just. He will let another kid go. Maybe. Maybe give me two more kids. But who do you do it to? Yeah. It that's that's the gamble. You, you, of course, you can. Nah, I think he set him up too strong as like what's there. It's almost like he's passing the torch to them. You know, you have you have the water bender in in uh, 
Sigourney Weaver's kid. You know what I mean? You have Tuck, who's just too young at this point. So maybe, I guess maybe Tuck and then, you know, his second oldest, who's kind of, who's basically Jake Sully just as a kid. So I don't know. I I don't, I don't know if if they're going to be able to get rid of, you know, much more of the family. Oh, I think you're going to, I don't think Tyr is going to survive it. I don't think. I, I think I, I think Jake will be the only one of his family that does survive this, these five movies. I really do. I hope anyway, because that's it's, it's good. It's good. I mean, it's interesting story if you know that people are. I don't these movies where you always have the heroes live like these fucking comic book movies. Like you got to get rid of some people. And Stark is coming back. Stark is coming back. He's not. I don't know why you keep saying that. He's not. Some, Robert, some fucking third-hand article you read said he'd be open to it. Of course he is. Because well, you throw a billion dollars at somebody, everybody's open to coming back. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> Stop but, saying that. But you can't have these movies that end with the the, the new the family we follow not have any losses. You just can't. I mean, one's not I mean, enough. They, they already took one. <laughs> one's not enough. You, you got to have several more. That's the whole. That's the cost of war. You got it out for the Sullys, huh? That's I, don't, I don't have it out for the Sullys. <laughs> a dark cake. Uh, the, the, Enough of his kids haven't died yet. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of them whale babies too. Let's kill more whale babies oh, along no, with the yeah. along with the real babies. Oh my goodness, we need more of the Ludlows. You guys don't know who those are, but the, the Ludlows, a lot of Ludlows need to die. Um, anyway, uh, I think it's time to score this bad boy. All right, so who wants who wants to go first? I will. I'll go first. So um, I think Avatar is about a seven. Um, visually, it's a ten. Uh, story-wise, it's about a five. Uh, well, I, no, you know what? Maybe I underestimate. About a six in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing together comes out to about a seven. I thought about seven and a half, but it's it's hard for me to say that it's some sort of cinematic masterpiece past visually. Uh, it's a good movie. I liked it. Uh, one of the things I was thrilled about is the fact that it is three and a half or three hours and 20 minutes long that it's paced very well. Uh, mm-hmm. I was very happy about that. I didn't feel like it drug on to me, which is an impressive feat. Um, so yeah, seven, uh, seven's where I'm taking it. Okay. So, I mean, so I, I was in the same struggle you were between seven, seven and a half and eight. And I thought about it and I don't know. I just watched the first film before watching this. I, I almost, I almost had a, a nice throughput, you know, from one to the other. Visually it is stunning. It's, it, it does some amazing stuff and it, while it has its issues frame rate wise that I experienced, I don't think that's the, like the fault of the actual film as a piece, because I think that that will be the experience for a lot of people as they watch this at home, you know, in the future. I think this movie sits at a seven and a half for me. I I, want to go eight, but I just can't bring it there for what I experienced. And in the way that I did, um, I think that it has too many holes and too many bad decisions story-wise for me to give it that full eight. However, Tuck as a character and the connection that I had with I, that there's a surprising connection I had is what brought me closest to the eight. So fantastic job on that front on making the CGI characters relatable and, you know, able to connect with and all that. It's, it's a great job by them, but the movie is a whole seven and a half for me. I, I agree with you, seven and a half. I, I think this movie is spades in spades better than the first movie. It, it understands what it is more. That family connection is super important, especially to us for the emotional stuff that's to come. We need that. We absolutely need that. And I think all the things he needed to get right outside of just the basic story and the visuals, he I think he got Jake Sully right. I think he got Sully's family right. And I think he got the the important people in the island tribe right. And I think that's important going forward, but 
I enjoyed this movie a lot. I didn't ex- I, I expected to be very harsh on it, and I think I am. But a seven and a half, I think, is where this movie deserves and where it sits. Uh, I don't like all this negativity online about it. I actually, it actually makes me pretty upset that these. There are a lot of people really determined to make sure this movie doesn't make as much money as it should. Um, there's a lot of I have better things to do than watch Avatar syndrome going on. You don't. So there's 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 that. Um, yeah, but it's an experience, and everyone should definitely see it. This is one of those few movies I'm not going to give you where it's like you either want to see it or you don't. Well, you should see it. So pick a time and go watch it. If you don't see it, that's on you. Um, what are you doing that's more important? <laughs> what? What is that? Nothing. Mm, I know. I wanted to get off my high horse just for that one little moment, but okay. Back, back off the soapbox. Back off soapbox. But seven and a half, I, th- I think, is where it sits. I, I think it's an accurate score for it. I think it's what it's earned, and they did a great job in a lot of areas. It needs a little bit of work, and I hope that like the movies forward will be a little bit cleaner in that regard. But we'll see. I, I agree. Uh, well said. But this has been episode 310A of For the Love of Cinema. Each new episode posts every Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. on the podcast service of your choice of the following five. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit of helps. More importantly, thank you for listening. Check out the show on Twitter at Love Cinema Pod. I am at Grayson Maxwell One. I am at Rod Stillian. And I am Christopher Ball. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, always posting things on social media. Send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And next week, also another big week, we're taking a look at Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, and Puss in Boots. Should be an interesting week.